What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. Howard Bender and Adam Rodas here, courtesy of Fantasy Alarm. You're on the Sawdust Podcast Network. What's up, Adam? Another blustery day in the NBA. I mean, listen, we are, we're, we, you know, people get this the, the the day after, but I mean, let's face it, man. The NBA has really turned into a huge pain in the ass in the DFS world. Um, more injuries piling up. Things are happening. Um, you know, I just I hear nothing but frustration from DFS analysts for NBA. And I mean, listen, you know, you um, dealing with like you know props, prop bets, and stuff like that for wager alarm, uh, Impemba and Grande with the playbook. Dude, is this uh, is this the end of NBA DFS? I don't think so. I mean, it depends on your tolerance level. Uh, it's probably not something you should play every day because you have to just devote too much time to it. I've always said this. I've said this for years, but it's even magnified now. If you don't have an hour or two before lineup lock, you shouldn't play. This is not a DFS sport where you can set your lineup at 1 p.m. Eastern in the afternoon and be like, all right, I'm good for lineup lock. You are going to get crushed. You're basically just lighting money on fire. So just PayPal it to me if you're going to do that because you're wasting it. Uh, but yeah, you just have to pay attention to the last second. Now we did get some of the news early today. We knew Russell Westbrook was resting. We knew uh, Gilgis Alexander was out. Uh, we were waiting on Terry Rozier of Charlotte. Uh, but yeah, we were waiting to see if the Clippers would rest anybody in a back-to-back. They didn't. Uh, we knew that, uh, what, what, oh, uh, we knew John Wall was out yesterday. So we knew LaMarcus Aldridge was out as well. So there's some stuff, but there's always a few that you're kind of waiting last second to see. Uh, and it just, you know, opens up value and you just got to really pay attention. And uh, it does make it difficult, though. I know for some days with props, it's tough because, you know, I try to get them in a few hours before the, the tip off of the first game so people can see it and place their wagers in. But there's sometimes I think it was yesterday. Or two days ago, like I was waiting on prop bets for the Suns and they weren't out because we didn't know about Devin Booker. So I couldn't give out DeAndre Ayton's rebound total because he's been crushing that. It's getting higher and higher and he still goes way over it, but it wasn't out on the books. So I couldn't put it in. So, yeah, I mean, it does present a challenge in all facets. At the same time, if you are one of those players that does pay attention, uh, you know, you get a slight edge. I don't, you know, on a portion of the field, there's still a bunch of people who are going to pay attention in the last second. But, you know, we know that there's going to be some people set a lineup at five, six o'clock, walk away or get caught in something in life and forget to come back and change the lineup. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, you know, I mean, you sit there, you do all the work, you do all the research. And listen, it's not just it's not just us as providers of of content for uh, for the DFS space. I mean, even just people who do the work and the research on their own. Like, I mean, you know, you just you get to a point where you're like, why why am I bothering with this? Like, it's not, you know, I mean, it's just it it always seems to be that it's just it's it's ridiculous crunch time for the NBA, and you know, you could spend your entire you know early afternoon doing research and and you know getting ready to build a lineup, but you know all of that you know you could end up with a bunch of people who are potentially out, and it's not even a question of not having the time to make the pivots. It's a question of whether or not you really wanna you feel comfortable about playing that same amount of money when you know that you know because you've reserved all these contests and you can't back out once they're filled. 
So the question is, is, I mean, at, at what point do you just turn around and say, fuck this? Um, I'm, I'm just done with NBA DFS. This isn't really, this, this just doesn't seem worth it. I don't see anybody happy about uh, NBA DFS these days. Uh, I, I don't. It's kind of been this way, though, for a couple of years. I don't feel like today or recently, all of a sudden, it's been a drastic change. I've actually thought that we've gotten some of the news pretty early. There haven't been uh, many instances that I can recall this year where we find out right at lineup lock someone's out. I felt like that happened more often. So I think this is just how it's been. And I think if you play NBA DFS, you know that going in, that you're going to have to pay attention to the last second. And so I don't really see it be, I mean, I th- as a content provider, it's frustrating because like, if you want to put something out early, you can't because if you put something out at one, two, three o'clock, it changes. Right. So from those guys, yeah, it's definitely frustrating from that perspective because you have to do constant updates, but anyone who's playing, I don't really see it, but be much different than it has been in the last couple of years. It's kind of always been that way. Uh, I, I think we actually got a lot of the news early today. We found out John Wall we knew about yesterday. We knew about Kemba Walker early this afternoon. Uh, we knew about LaMarcus Aldridge, I believe, yesterday. Um, we found out about Rudy Gay today. Not that that was a big deal. We found out about Gilgis Alexander like last night. Um, i trying to think who else was out today. Yeah, so I think we got a lot of the news pretty early. Uh, we found out about Terry Rozier probably like 5, 5.30. Uh, so a lot of the news was was kind of out relatively early, at least for um, on on Wednesday. So I, it is frustrating from a content provider when you got a ten game slate and you want to try and get the content out early, and then you file it, and then like five minutes later, oh this guy's out. It's like oh damn, now I got to take this guy out. This guy gets value. He's in. So from that perspective, yeah, it is very frustrating, but you're playing it i don't really see this being much different than last year um well i mean last year was with the bubble so was but even the year before it wasn't yeah the year before well even even leading up to the bubble they played up until march they had the regular season until march yeah that is true and yeah i don't know man i would preferred sport to play dfs what is it uh nba Really, it's still, yeah. despite all the aggravations, despite all the last-minute scratches or anything like that, still your yeah. preferred sport. Yeah, I mean NFL. NFL, you got all week leading up to it, so I, I, it's a little bit different. But, um, but I'm I'm honestly kind of more towards betting and prop betting now than DFS in any sport. Um, you'd rather go with the the betting than yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you can you obviously can win a bigger prize pool playing DFS, but at the same time, you know you have to beat a large field, and you need that, especially in basketball. Basketball, you need someone that kind of comes out of nowhere and has a huge game, and that can be very difficult sometimes. You know, like I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, you need you needed Fred Van Vliet yesterday with his 54 points. Not that you know he's <laughs> yeah. he's a big name. Uh, but you kind of needed him. Um, Dylan Brooks, probably. He came out of nowhere, 25 points. He's been kind of quiet. You know, everyone was probably stacking the Portland Wizards game. Um, yeah, Steph Curry had a big game. But, yeah, you usually need those uh, those 
cheap guys that come out of nowhere. Like the other night, Malik Monk went, went off. Um, we knew Terry Rozier was going to be out kind of late in the day. And that game went to overtime. And Malik Monk had like 36 points and five rebounds in an overtime game. So you need one of those guys uh, to really win something big if you look for the big prize. So, yeah, in gambling, depending on what your bankroll is, you're not going to hit that big prize. But, you know, it's kind of more of a slow, steady race where you can become profitable if you're playing the, the right props, the right sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I've, I've never been. It's kind of funny. I mean, listen, I, I play DFS because it's my job, basically, to play DFS and to analyze it. It's not my preferred way either. Uh, you know, um, I do like, you know, straight up, you know, picking games against the spread for NFL. Um, yeah, I, you know, but yeah, I would say I would say I, I prefer MLB DFS over MLB betting. I think. Yeah. Uh probably. I mean, I like I like player props for MOB pitcher strikeouts. Yeah, that's probably something I'm gonna get a lot more into this year as well. You know, I mean we've got a lot of the uh you know, a lot of the guys over at, at Fantasy Alarm, Greg Jewett, um, you know, James Grande, uh, you know, Justin Mason's coming back. Um, to, you know, handle the bulk of the, uh, the MLB and the DFS work there that I'm probably going to end up getting a lot more into the, uh, the player that the MLB will probably be where, where I end up with the player props. Like it's, it's interesting. I think, I think that to me would probably be a little bit more, not of a sure thing, of, but more, you know, more, you know, just better than, than probably like dealing with like rushing and receiving yards in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to just find what works best for you. Um, yeah. I need one more rebound for Ben Simmons to cash his prop, by the way. I already cashed Joel Embiid. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> yeah, but what was the... Oh, but the Rockets are just absolutely fucking killing me right now, man. Like, how the fuck is this happening, bro? Dude, the Rockets are the hottest team in the NBA. They won six in a row. They're number two in the NBA in defensive efficiency. And I know John Wall is out tonight. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander leads that team in usage rate with 27%. Like, he's their team. Without him, they got a bunch of young guys. They're rebuilding outside of Al Horford. George Hill's out. They just beat the Thunder by 30 points the other night. And they're down 13 in the first half. Like, how is this happening? They have six points in the first eight minutes of the second quarter. Unfucking believable man. I just... Some of these things, man, you put all... You, you hit every fact. Everything makes sense. The game happens. And it just blows up in your face. <laughs> it's just it that's the frustrating part it's like wait a second how is this happening i don't get it i mean there's still time for them to come back but damn it man oh unbelievable man see um, more more nba frustrations with adam ronas yeah well i get frustrated every night <laughs> even if i go five <laughs> and one it's it's frustrating <laughs> along the way and then the night's over oh okay one five or six that's cool all right Back at it tomorrow. Start thinking. That's what I do. I'm in bed and I'm like opening the Fanzel Sportsbook because sometimes they put out the player props early. So I rarely jump. There's sometimes if something really jumps out of me, I'll jump on it the night before. But I'll just start to look and be like, okay, all right. All Amazing, right. ladies, right? Amazing that he's single. I'm, I'm baffled. Well, yeah, well, single, <laughs> yes, but, you know. Uh, 
Man, I've been attacking the Darius Garland points prop, I think, three straight games now, and I backed off tonight because they were playing the Clippers, and the Clippers are good. I think his prop was over 14 and a half points. He's got 14 points in the first half. Guess I should have stuck with it. I could just see you sitting there, you know, like you, you finish up, you, you 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 either roll off or her or she rolls off you and you're. Oh, yeah. No, she falls in there and there, and there you are immediately on your phone looking at player props. Oh, dude, all the time. Well, most of the time they fall asleep early, earlier than me. So it's perfect. They fall asleep. You know, you hold them for a little bit and you roll away and you go grab your phone. <laughs> <laughs> what? Was that, wasn't that a Friends episode, The Roll Away? I didn't really watch Friends much. I was more Seinfeld. They were like hand in hand, weren't they? They were like on the same night. Yeah. I, well, I actually, I didn't watch Seinfeld from the beginning. I got into it late. Like people started telling me about it. I started watching. I was like, yeah, this show, I like this show. So I didn't watch a lot of those episodes live when it came on. I caught up later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could just I could just picture that. That's pretty funny. Just let them fall asleep and then boom, there you are sitting there with the player props. All crusty and unshowered. Looking like a looking like a human glazed donut staring at your phone. <laughs> yep. That's how it is. <laughs> then if they'll wake up, they'll be like, You're not going to sleep? Like, nah, baby, it's all right. I got work to do. <laughs> I got I gotta make money for tomorrow night's dinner. <laughs> Oh, you like that Italian spot, right? Well, I got to make this money. Chicken, <laughs> chicken ain't going to buy itself, girl. <laughs> An inside look in the life of times of Adam Rones. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, before we dive in more to that, because the, 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 the image of Adam as a glazed donut staring at his phone. Lying in bed is uh, is not doing it for me too much. I don't know what it's doing for all you guys out there, but nevertheless, want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Thank them for uh, for helping us keep the lights on here for for paying for that chicken dinner for us tonight. Here's why you should be playing on Monkey Knife Fight. <laughs> Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out MonkeyKnifeFight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. MonkeyKnifeFight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTEUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. <laughs> 
All right, Adam, some uh, some some wonderful stuff all around sports here. Where do you want to start? You want to start football? You want to start baseball? What do you like? Uh, baseball. All right, let's start off with baseball here. Some very interesting signings that we got to talk about, especially with the impact of fantasy baseball. Uh, number one, Colton Wong signs a two-year, $18 million deal to go to Milwaukee. Brewers now moving Keston Hira over from second to first. So come, you know, the first two weeks of April, uh, Keston Hira will end up with uh, in-season eligibility at first, at second, middle, and corner infield. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, the Twins go out and they bring in Alex Colome after signing Nelson. They signed Nelson Cruz uh, late on Tuesday night. Um, they re-sign him, and then Cruz, who's actually a really good friend of Alex Colomay's, gives him the pitch, and they bring him in. Um, Taylor Rogers looks like uh, he could be losing uh, his closer job. So uh, two kind of important fantasy impacts there. You got position uh, position eligibility now added for Keston Hira. Is that move a good move? Does Colton Wong gain value in Milwaukee? Um, what does it do for, uh, for fantasy owners? And then obviously closer situation. I don't know. Where, where do you stand on close? You, are you, uh, skip out on closers and wait? Uh, if I can get one solid one and I know there's very few solid ones now I will. And then just kind of patchwork it together. So that's typically what I do. I'm just not going to spend a high price tag. If you go back and look last year, a lot of the top guys, we're not good. So you think like, oh, yeah, well, this guy's a top five closer. I'm going to get him. He'll be good. It often doesn't work out, whether it's injury or poor performance. So uh, I won't invest heavily. Um, you know, Colt Wong is going to a good ballpark to hit. Doesn't have much power, but it'll still some bases. So, uh, you know, a slight boost for him. Here I might get that eligibility quicker because, remember, Leagues are kind of changing their eligibility this year because there were only 60 games. So you got to check what your commissioner or your league platform. It might only, sometimes it'll be five games. Sometimes it'll be seven. Um, and, and for the year, I don't know, what do they get? 10. I don't know if I, you got to check, see what people are going to do, but it, it, it's going to change a little bit. Uh, but for the upcoming year, I guess people will go back to 10, 15, 20 for the upcoming year. But for last year, you might see like five in some spots, seven, 10, so that's something you need to look at before you draft. Uh, and the closer situation for the Twins, I think I think you're going to see both. Uh, I know Ta I like Taylor Rogers. I think last year's numbers were fluky as far as the ERA. Um, if you look at his underlying numbers, they were good. His FIP was good. Uh, he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. I don't think he's a guy that uh, is only lefty on lefty. I know that they took him out of their – not took him out of the role, but – there were times they passed on some of his opportunities, but he had bad luck. He had a 400 batting average of balls of play, a 60% strand rate. Uh, again, we're looking at a small sample, and the whip was high. He had a whip of one in a full season the year before. His numbers really weren't that far off, the underlying numbers. His strikeout rate went down a little bit. Walk rate was good. So I like him. But again, it's not always about who you like and the skills. It's what the manager's decision is. And Because to me, Taylor Rogers has better skills than Colin A. I know Colome had really good numbers last year, but he's not a, a closer that gets a ton of strikeouts. 
uh, even last year. I mean, his, his K percentage is 17.8%, even two years ago, 22.1%. Uh, but somehow, he doesn't allow a lot of hits. His average uh, against is low. He had a really good whip again last year because uh, he gets a lot of ground balls and he gets uh, soft contact. So it works. Uh, for a, even for a guy that throws like 94, it's amazing that he just doesn't get the strikeouts because he throws the cutter most of the time. He really doesn't throw that fastball much. So it's always a manager's decision. Uh, so I could see them using Colome and Rogers, uh, kind of, and I think you're going to see more teams do that. They're going to use multiple relievers. You're not going to have one closer. So it, it makes it very challenging from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, we've got an, an article in the uh, in the MLB draft guide at Fantasy Alarm that Greg Jewett actually wrote um, that came out, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I think yesterday is when it came out, talking about closers by committee and uh, and having to deal with that. But you know what, I'll tell you what, more importantly, though, like, how are we viewing numbers? Like last year, I, I asked Jim Bowden this question. I said, how are you how are you viewing how much weight are you putting on last year's numbers? You know, when you look at it, because we were talking about Colome and he was uh, uh, Rogers and and he was just he, he was very adamant that Colome was was going to be the guy. And he looks at Colome's numbers from not just last year, but the year before as well. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, but you look at Taylor Rogers numbers from the year before. How are you how are you just you know, you, you just seem to be if you're if you're adding the numbers together, um, I mean, is that really a still a fair assessment of the player? Like, what are you doing as far as the numbers that you saw last year? Like, because I think Rogers is a good case study. You know, he had over it was a four oh five ERA last year. It was like a two six one the year before, and you know, thirty saves, and everybody was in on him in uh, in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. You know, he shits the bed. So I guess the question is, is you know, do, does he revert back to twenty nineteen form? Does he not revert back to, to 2019 form? And, you know, this is what we're looking at. I think that that's, you know, a real interesting, you know, kind of dilemma that I think fantasy baseball owners are in right now with really on how to interpret uh, last year's numbers. Yeah, I think it's different for every situation. And I, I think people are putting too much weight on last year and it's reflected in drafts. Um, you're seeing people draft players just based on last year. And it's a mistake. Um, like especially who? what, like who Zach Plesak. I mean, guys going to the fourth round. Why? <laughs> There's so many guys I would take over him. So it's creating value. You know, uh, uh, Frankie Montas had a back injury last year. The guy was really good. Had the back injury. His numbers suck. He's falling in drafts. Um, so you're getting value because of it. People, but people are really taking last year's numbers into account. The Taylor Rogers thing. It's not. The numbers, I think it's the role, right? Because you're drafting for saves. Right. And we don't know right now what the Twins are going to do. So Rodgers is going to drop based on Colin getting signed. There's no doubt about it because people are going to be like, well, I don't know if he's going to be the full-time closer. Uh, I think he's a really good pitcher. And, yeah, last year was it was clearly bad luck. You just got to look at two numbers. 400 batting average of balls of play. His career mark's 310. His strand rate was 60.3%. His career marks 77.5%. This is just like if we were doing an in-season article, right? After 20 innings, I'll buy low on Taylor Rogers. If someone's, you know, the ERA is not really what he's pitching to, it's the same thing. So, but the role is very important for a closer. 
because, yeah, Rodgers would still be fine in a deeper league, but if he doesn't have the saves, you're not going to spend high draft capital on him. So he's more challenging. But I think with a lot of pitchers and even some hitters, I mean, the other thing you have to look at last year, too, is guys that like Yohan Moncada. That's a great buy low. The guy had COVID. He talked about it. he never felt right. He said he just started feeling right recently. So we're going to hold that against him because he tried to play through it and wasn't what we expected over 52 games. I'm not. I'm going to look at the guy that, you know, had 25 homers, 10 steals two years ago and is in a great lineup and a great ballpark. So if I get that guy at a discount, then then I'll take him. So I do think there's a lot of people who are drafting based on last year's numbers. And you could see it if you look at early NFBC ADP. uh, It's crazy how some players just based on last year are moving up like crazy. Funny enough, I have not looked at a single NFBC ADP number yet. So, well, I already did. I already did one draft Champions League, and I just started another one today. All right. Well, let me see. You'll never, you'll never guess who I got to pick seven. Never. Wait, is number seven overall? Yeah, you'll never guess. Oh, tell me, tell me, somebody left you Trout there at seven. Uh, he was on the board, and I did not take him. Really? Yeah. Who did you take? Bookie Betts. Bookie Betts was there at seven. Who went yeah, one man. through six? Uh, okay. You ready for this? Uh, let, me, let me see if I can guess. Not Maybe I, not won't. necessarily in the order. You won't. You might get – you might get – there's one you definitely will not get. You'll probably get five of the six. You will never guess the order. Um, Acuna, Tatis. Nope. Nope. Neither of those guys. Nope. Well, all right, then just tell me. Cole, Cole one, DeGrom two, Acuna three, Soto four, Bieber five, Tatis Jr. six. So I was one away from getting Tatis. Wow. I was like, all right, I'll take bets. The pitching in this draft is insane. I don't know what my pitching staff's going to look like because these guys, there were five pitchers in the first round. There were nine pitchers in the first 20 picks. 10 pitchers in the first 22. Well, there's all this talk about, you know, that that they're not going to let pitchers pitch beyond, you know, a certain, you know, they're all taking the Verducci effect into uh, in, into heart. There are also a lot of managers who aren't going to let their pitchers go uh, deep into games. So, you know, that's, I, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess these people, especially like high stakes players, um, you know, feel like you need those you need those workhorses. You need those guys who, you know, the managers are going to still let throw seven innings. And I guess there really aren't that many. There's not. I mean, but even some of these guys. That are going here, they might not be those guys, you know, like. So that's the issue. But, you know, this is a draft champions league. You can't make any moves. But I'm starting to the point where if it gets like this, then I'm probably just going to load up on bats and figure out pitching later. Yeah. All right. So and, what what did you what what did you do? So you took Mookie bets there. Who are your first seven picks? I've only made two picks so far. The draft just started. That's what I said. Who are your first two picks? Bats and Harper. All right. So you're loading up on bats. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll and see who's, what the, makes it. who's the best pitcher on the board right now? Oh, God, I'm afraid to look. Uh, by the queue, it is Kenta Maeda. Really? Yeah, his ADP is 45.4. Jesus Christ. Right? I was telling my... Because I'm splitting this team with my friend, uh, Brian Ambos. You know Brian, right? Yeah, I know Brian. Yeah, so we usually do a few draft champions together. Because we usually... I guess I'm, we're waiting to figure out if we're going to do the auction in New York. They say it's going to be on, but he wants to wait a little bit. So, yeah, Maeda is 45.4. I was like, man, I never thought I'd see a day where Kenta Maeda goes to the third, fourth round, man. I love Kenta Maeda. I'm a huge fan. But, like, you know, he hasn't had big workloads in L.A. And last year, the other thing, too, this is the other factor that I, I talked about this with Jen Piacente on Alarm After Hours last week. You got to be – notice this. When you look at ADPs, how many pitchers from the Central Division are going extremely early? Let's take a look at this, okay? Shane Bieber, first round, Central Division. Hugh Darvish, yeah, he's on the Padres now, pitched in the Central last year. Giolito, Central. Bauer, Central. Right. Uh, Castillo in the Central. Brandon Woodruff in the Central. Jack Flaherty in the Central. All guys went in the first two rounds. Remember, the Central Division was awful last year. Go look at some of the game logs of those guys who Terrible. they faced last year. Terrible. Like, like, again, I love Kent Ameda. I have for years. I was so ecstatic to see him go to the Twins. Here was his game log last year. White Sox, yeah, they're a good team. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Detroit, Detroit, Cleveland, White Sox, Detroit. Detroit three times, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, come on. I love Kent Ameda, but come on, man. These matchups that these the guys, I'll say this too. You telling me that if Jacob DeGrom pitched the schedule that Trevor Bauer did last year, that DeGrom would win the Cy Young? You're fucking kidding me, bro. Don't tell me I'm biased because Jacob DeGrom is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I see him pitch all the time. The NL East was way tougher, and he had to face the Yankees and Blue Jays and Red Sox. No way, man. Like, DeGrom pitched a way tougher schedule. I mean, Bauer – so that's the thing, too, you have to keep in mind. Like people are boosting these guys up, and they're forgetting who they faced last year. I mean, Central was awful. It was a, a haven for pitchers. Maybe that's the article you need to write, Adam. The the biggest mistake, the the five biggest mistakes that people are making in twenty twenty one fantasy baseball drafts. I don't know if there's five of them. Um, I don't. I mean, I think I think the main thing is they're taking last year's stats to heart it feels that way in some of these in some of these drafts um it's it's i don't know if you can say it's a mistake taking pitching early the thing is you got to get if you if you get two stud pitchers yeah it's going to work and you're going to have an advantage the key is though we know that the the other factor that i don't know if jim has brought this up are we going to see more pitcher injuries this year i mean we're speculating but you know what's going to happen in may in june like are, are, I, I don't know I mean, I'm not a medical guy, but are we going to see more pitcher injuries? Because a lot of these guys are going to go from 50, 60 innings, and then all of a sudden, because you got to think a lot of these guys are going to add 100 innings this year, well, that's, right? That's, again, that's what I was saying, that there are a lot of managers who are not going to let their pitchers go deep into games. And go with six-man rotations. You're hearing several teams talking about that. Yeah, now. absolutely. So, you know, that's, well, I mean, so that's the question. The question is, is, you know who's making the mistake? Uh, you know, letting 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 
bats like Mookie Betts and Mike Trout go in a full season uh, in favor of Shane Bieber and Garrett Cole? Or, you know, or or are you making the mistake by, you know, saying, oh, I'm just going to keep taking bats then and I'll just piece pitching together afterwards? I mean, obviously we're not going to know, but I kind of feel, I mean, unless there's a, a major injury to some, you know, heavy-duty starters, you know, you're, you you're probably setting yourself up for more in-season work, more waiver wire work, having to deal with the pitch like that. Yeah. And, and that's why I, you know, this is draft champion. So there's no moves. This is it. So I think pitching is going to get pushed up, but at the same time, when these main events happen, and again, the high stakes leagues is different than your home league. So you do have to take that into account. I just don't see pitching going this early in home leagues. I just don't. And even even in some industry drafts, I mean, we'll find out. I know labor's coming up and then tout. I don't think you'll see the pitching going to this level. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's challenging. The, the, the thing is, so if you're drafting and you see all this pitching going, you're like, damn, I can't get left holding the bag. And the problem with that is if you're the one who doesn't get the pitching early, you're going to push up pitching up the board in the fifth, six, seven rounds. And that's where you can hit landmines. It's the same thing I talked about this year in fantasy football where people were like, oh, you got to get running backs early. And I said, there's going to be a lot of landmines in rounds three and four. And there were. And the same thing might happen this year with pitching. So you really have to figure out uh, what to do with pitching. You, If you're not going to get the pitching early, uh, you know, what guys are you going to get late? And we know there's always players that you can find late. The key is, uh, sometimes you think you know them and you don't. So it's going to be a challenge though this year. It, it's it's difficult because you don't really know what to do with 2020 stats. I think it really comes down to each individual player and you have to figure out, okay, was there a COVID issue? Was there an injury they were playing through? And some guys just probably last year felt so out of, inv- out of their environment. Like, wait a second, what? Oh, all of a sudden we got to play in two weeks and maybe some players can't get ramped up. Maybe it took them four weeks to get ramped up. And the beginning, like I told you, we talked yesterday, I felt like early in NBA season this year, it was preseason for several weeks. I think the quality of play has really picked up over the last few weeks. That could have been a case for some baseball players. We see it every year. Some guys don't play well in April. They don't play well in the cold. Uh, They're slow starters. So there's so many things, variables there that we're looking at a small sample that we're not even going to be able to figure out. It'll be very interesting. This this is probably this is going to be a very very telling season. It's going to be a telling. difficult year. Like it's definitely yeah. not good for me because you know I have a comfort level every year, have my routine rhythm, and you know I'm always pretty good. It's going to be hard this year. Like I, I'm already finding it to be a challenge. Uh, that it just you're you're out of your comfort zone because you have, uh, you know you're used to having large data over 162 games, and now we have 60 games, and it's like okay. And even for some players, you might look at a player, right? Look at his pro. Oh, you know what? He really improved last year. He hit the ball hard. He pulled. How much can we take away from that? It's still 60 games, right? I mean, he easily could have reversed. Think about this. Imagine we did a draft, and some people do this. I don't. Draft on the first half. Remember how bad Jose Ramirez was in the first half two yeah. years ago? Mm-hmm. It, and so imagine we drafted off the first 60 games of Jose Ramirez. Where would he go this year? Fourth, fifth round? And look how he did in the second half. 
I mean, Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich was a top three pick last year, and this draft he went ten. I mean, he's falling that crazy fall. I, I well, think. Yeah, Yelich- but again, like you said, that's that that's right now in a in a high stakes league where you're not able to make any moves. Like you know, I'm curious to start seeing when some of the home leagues start drafting. Right, but we probably won't see that for at least another month, unfortunately. Right? Yeah. I mean, most home leagues are not going to draft till March, especially now that all right, we're going to start the season on time. Well, we think, hopefully. I mean, news changes every day with baseball. I can't trust them. But we think we're going to start on time. So people should start scheduling their drafts, I would guess. Yeah. Definitely need to start scheduling your drafts. That's going to be – that's that's where I'm going to gain the most interest. Might have to start jumping into some uh, – just some regular mock drafts, you know, and start doing some of those and just kind of see. I'm going to get Andy Spiteri on the phone and uh and do that so all right well there you go just uh, a little preview there a little little mlb preview here now adam i want to just kind of flip it over to uh a little nfl news uh if i may and that being uh sean payton the saints did you see what he said today see what he said who is he, he thinks he likes his quarterback to be next year he said winston right yeah he said winston um, now Winston's obviously a free agent, but the question is, is does, does he sign, does he resign with new Orleans or does he look elsewhere? Like, you know, somebody had said something about, uh, I think it was Jim who actually said something about, uh, new England. And I was like, I, I can't think of a worse place for any free agent quarterback to go. Yeah. Why would you want to go there? I mean, only for Belichick, but they just. They have nothing on offense. Nothing on offense. And I can't see Belichick dealing with Winston's turnovers. Um, I can't either. You know, and, and so that's that's that. But the question is, is if you're Jameis Winston and you know that Sean Payton's got this hard on for Taysom Hill, do you still take the coaches at his word when he says you're 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 going to be my starting quarterback? But do you worry about how much time you know you end up losing, like inside the red zone? When uh, when when he throws in his Taysom Hill nonsense again? No, because I think that would be discussed when they're signing the contract, and the money would also reflect that. So if if he's telling them, "Yeah, we want you to be the starter. You're going to be the starter," and they pay him accordingly, I just don't see how he backs away. I don't see how he would back away either. I mean, God, could you imagine that? Just slinging the rock to Michael Thomas and. All those guys, I mean, not all those guys, but you got Kamara there to make it a little easier for you and help you pad some of your stats. I like Winston. I like Winston on uh, on New Orleans. I actually do. But I guess the, re- the real question is, is um, and I know how much you love to speculate, Adam, uh, but the question is, is why did uh, why do we go to Taysom Hill and not Jameis Winston when Drew Brees got hurt this year? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they didn't see enough of Winston at that point. Uh, maybe they wanted to see what they could do with Taysom Hill. Um, I don't know. It's weird because they did pay him as well. So I don't know. It's a weird situation. Because I thought it was going to be Winston. I spent fab on Winston that week, and I was like, oh, shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I did the, I did the same thing. I put, put money on uh, Winston as well in one league. In one league, it didn't crush me. It didn't crush my soul, but it was still kind of a, a, a messed up thing. 
was a little bit on the messed up side. I was like, all right, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if uh, if Winston signs with the uh, with the Saints, top ten QB, no matter what. Uh, I think so. Uh, I just we've seen him put up big numbers already, and I think the turnovers would probably be cut down. You know, some coaching, being in the Peyton system. So yeah, I think I think top definitely QB one for me. Okay. I've always liked Winston. I mean, the year he had that big year, I, he was on all, all a lot of my teams. Um, even with the picks, though, he had a good year. It worked out. So, uh, yeah, I think with the Saints, he could put up numbers. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Well, you know what, man? I, I think it's. Uh, I think we can. Uh, we can kind of wrap things up here tonight. I think uh, we're going to spend the next two days talking a lot of Super Bowl work, a lot of prop stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll save it for that. We'll definitely save it for that. Because I also, I like, you know, Adam getting the chance to watch his NBA games and drive himself nuts. Oh, shit. Keldon Johnson has no fucking points, bro. See, there You're it is. You're kidding me, man. Two fouls. Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> See, there it is, folks. There it is. So on that note, I'm going to say thanks so much for subscribing and liking and listening and all that fun stuff there. For Adam Rodas, I'm Howard Bender. This has been Andy Up. We'll catch you next time.